Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a new theme Thursday, and the theme of the day is National Toothache Day. So Patrick is playing songs that are themed around things that would give you a toothache or you know, that might give you a toothache, which is usually candy, sweet stuff. Uh, and he's picking some pretty damn good songs. This is pretty damn good. This is actually in my phone. All right. I got this one. In, you got some new edition in there? Oh, I got tons of new edition in there. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. My boy, my boy Ralph Trezvan right there. Yeah, a young one. I mean, oh, I don't yeah. know how old he is. Is he? Is he even a teenager? And he's uh, singing you this know, one. You know, they look younger. Like, no, I mean, because he's, he's really, really young. I mean, he yeah. might have been twelve or something like that. That's why I wonder. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but that new edition very underrated as an all-time great boy band. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Think about it. everybody that left that band ended up. You know, individually doing, doing something, thing, yep. you know, pretty successful, whether it was Bobby Brown, Ref Trasvan, you know, Bell Biv DeVoe. Mm-hmm. Hell, even when they, man, remember they brought in Johnny Gill? Oh, yeah. For a while. He was part of that. Johnny Gill, yeah, when they, my, my, my. yeah, when they lost like Ralph, Bobby and Wealth Trasvan, they brought in Bobby, and that still worked out. Johnny yep. Gill, they were still jamming. Yeah, that was like, they're very underrated. As a boy band, I agree with out that one hundred percent. I'm a big fan of them. So. Yeah, uh, you see the movie? That's not, not that's uh, not the, the series. The series I think it was. Yeah. It's like the. Mm-hmm. Did you remember seeing that? Oh yeah, it was actually pretty good. Oh, it wasn't yeah. bad. Uh, anyway, but my man Patrick does a great job with New Theme Thursday. Uh, so National Toothache Day, which nobody would have figured out. So I'm glad he just decided, man. We're just gonna tell you what the hell's going on because nobody would have guessed New uh, New Theme Thursday was National Toothache Day. No, not at all. Uh, Specs text line five one two. Three three seven three seven seven six. That's how you hit us up on the Specs text line. You also can use the Twitterverse. My man Harge is uh, at Hardball Harge in the Twitterverse. Patrick Davis at It's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse. All right, guys, let's get to our uh, Super Bowl preview here and start breaking down this matchup a little bit. And something that hasn't been talked about enough with this matchup between the Eagles and between the Chiefs is about how well-built and well-constructed the rosters are, mm-hmm. leading to the conversation about the general managers for both of these squads. And people don't talk enough about the fact that Brett Veach and Howie Roseman, you know, both work together with the Eagles. And both of these squads, and I say both of these general managers, I say both of them have been really aggressive. And I, bo- I think both of them understand what I've been talking about. I don't think they'll phrase it this way, but for me, this is how I talk about the, the life cycle of, NBA, of NFL teams now, that you have to understand you've got a three- to five-year life cycle. Um, and if you don't really contend for a championship in that time span, you basically got to reset things. Right. I mean, Howie Roseman took over in, uh, for the you know, Philadelphia Eagles. He took over in 2010. Had you know his time with Andy Reid, and, and that didn't really work out with him and Andy Reid. We traded Donovan McNabb really early on. They couldn't really find their quarterback. Brought in Chip Kelly. Hell, they 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 loved Chip Kelly for a while. And Chip Kelly had success immediately, but that he couldn't sustain that success. Um, but there were some things that he kept from Chip Kelly actually that ended up helping him later on. They they still run the RPOs. Chip Kelly was famous for popularizing RPOs in the NFL. And uh, don't forget, I mean, the Eagles' offensive line coach they have now, Jeff Stoutland, was originally hired by Chip Kelly. Right. He's been with that staff since since Chip Kelly hired him been when he came in in 2013. Minute. 
that's one of the, I guess, the selling points of continuity with an offensive line and consistency with an offensive line coach. But he's been there through, you know, three different head coaches. But I digress. Getting back to Holly Roseman and Brett Veach, both of these guys under Jeffrey Laurie and under Andy Reid, by the way, because they were yep. both working with Andy Reid too. They both, I think, learned how to be really aggressive, and they understood that you got about three to five years to make it work, and when you can't do that, you need to aggressively reset things. I mean, you think about, like I said, go back to Holly Roseman. 2010 is when he took over for them. He didn't work with Andy Reid. That was 10 to 12, 2010 to 2012. Uh, didn't work with Chip Kelly. He moved on from Chip Kelly after uh, that 2015 season, even though he had success immediately, still moved on. But, hell, kept that O-line coach, kept some of the philosophies of Chip Kelly, just moved on from him, the coach, hired Doug Peterson, won the Super Bowl. Yeah. But still didn't keep Doug Peterson around long. Doug Peterson was gone. He won the Super Bowl in, what, 2017 and was gone by 2020? Gone. And him and the quarter, him and the, the quarterback they drafted to try to be the next franchise quarterback which was Carson Wentz, and then decided after drafting Jalen Hurts to move on from Carson Wentz and decided to go elsewhere and then go in the Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts uh, era of the Eagles. And by the way, I guarantee you, it'll probably be over with by 2026, 2025. Yeah, he'll by make right, right around 2025, it'll be over. He'll move on to something else. He, he, he understands and gets, I got a window. Brett Veach has done the same thing. Right. Brett Beach is different, though, because he obviously the Alex Smith, you know, window for them was a short lived window. And they understood we got to they trade up to go get Patrick Mahomes, the future quarterback for them, their franchise guy. And they go with the same coach. So he just that's not quite as aggressive as the Eagles are because Howie Roseman will change coaches and quarterbacks. They go with the same coach and Andy Reid because they're working more in, you know, collaboration get their quarterback of the future, and now they reset with Patrick Mahomes. And then they most recently, now that they figured Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback of the future, they reset again. Mm -hmm. They just reset again. They're rebuilding now around Patrick Mahomes. That's why they let Tyreek Hill go. They're probably not going to re-sign Orlando Brown, their left tackle. They're probably going to move on from him because they reconstructed the offensive line. I was going to say, in the they off season. might need to keep him around they if he might. keeps standing him up. Well, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Now and I'm keeping saying, him but, clean. But they're, they're thinking about, but they're always rebuilding. they got four rookies or four or five rookies that are in the rotation are starting on defense right now because yeah. they're rebuilding the secondary. They rebuilt the offensive line last offseason. So they're, they're, they're extending their window or essentially just – you know, resetting the window around Patrick Mahomes. Why else would you, you know, move on from Patrick Mahomes? No need to do that. So he's a he's a he's less. You can't. It's a lot of money that you got standing in well, there. With him. Well, you got a Hall of Fame quarterback and a Hall of Fame coach, so right. you, you're good. Right. You you you, right. you you chose wisely. Yeah. In both of those aspects, for Howie Roseman, he doesn't choose that wisely. He doesn't have a Hall of Fame coach and a Hall of Fame quarterback every time. He just has – he's like, man, I got a window. Right. That's what I got to get to. We can be the best team in this window, but I don't have a Hall of Fame coach and a Hall of Fame quarterback. Veach does. Good job on Veach. By the way, Andy Reid brought Veach with him right. from Philadelphia when he moves uh, to Kansas City. So that's why Veach is basically like, Andy Reid's my ride or die. I'm always with Andy Reid, and he should be because that's a Hall of Fame coach. My point is they, they're basically resetting too. They've done it. In a kind of a hard stop model when moving on from Alex Smith, but now they're doing it in a softer version because they're they're re, re 
they're rehauling and um, basically overhauling all the different positions, one position group at a time. Wide receivers and skill positions will probably be next. Well, well the thing that we've talked about for numerous times, and we're going to continue to talk about it, is the window, right? And the fact of, do you have that window where you're dealing with a rookie quarterback and you're in that window there, and not and now you say, what can we do to make it better around him? Well, Howie Roseman was like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go out and get A.J. Brown before mm-hmm. the draft. And then we're going to draft well with the pieces that we're missing that I feel that can come in and play right away and be impactful. Then you bring in a coach like Nick Sirianni who throughout this week he said, because don't forget, he was on the staff with uh, Andy Reid at uh, – Kansas City, mm-hmm. and he ended up letting him go, and he said that was the best thing for me yeah. at that time because it made me grow even more so. Going back to what you've been talking about, about some of these other players, Eric Bieniemy, and should I go somewhere else and grow so people can recognize me as something else instead of being under Andy Reid the entire time? There's, there's opportunities out there, but I'm with you. The way that these teams are constructed, the way that they're going about their business and how they're preparing for it for the future, they're doing it the right way. Yeah, no, they really are. I mean, like I said, the Kansas City Chiefs. Jerry Jones, pay attention, bro. Yeah, Kansas City traded for Orlando Brown after their disastrous Super Bowl uh, when they had all the offensive linemen that were injured and out. Against Tampa when they and, destroyed him. And then they signed Joe Thune in that offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, they drafted Creed Humphrey uh, and Trey Smith, and then that's how they kind of they rebuilt their old line Remember, people thought it was controversial for them to let Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, go, mm-hmm. uh, to not re-sign him. That's why they started drafting a lot of young DBs. They decided, now we're going to draft a lot of young DBs, invest in the future, and Brett Veach has done a really good job with that. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, kind of bringing it back home, uh, we saw that Jerry Jones, I I remember reading the quote about Jerry Jones saying that he he likes to think longer term. Here's the quote. (laughs) And he's 80, by the way. (laughs) He is 80. Anybody who thinks I won't take a chance has misread the tea leaves, but I I do think longer term. And I am real hesitant to bet it all for just one year. There's a lot of things that can happen for that year. In essence, we're seeing a couple of teams that have had some real success putting it all out there and paying for it later in Philadelphia and Los Angeles. Um, he as, said, as Philadelphia is playing for the Super Bowl. Yeah, he said that's pretty <laughs> impressive to have two teams in the last two years empty the bucket and get to the Super Bowl. But if you miss, it's a long go. Okay. So, so let's, basically saying let's, that he thinks that we're going to miss, that he won't take that risk. Let's let's juxtapose that to uh, Howie Roseman's comments at the Super Bowl <laughs> about going all in. Here's what he said. And remember, we know how the Rams feel about it. Mm-hmm. F them picks. For sure. And they worried about them damn picks. The NBAification of the NFL. Here's yep. what Howie Roseman said. When we won a championship, we'd made aggressive decisions and we had taken some risks And we saw that it's hard because the league is designed like a bell curve. They want most teams to be in the middle of the bell curve. So for you to take a chance and try to get to the top of the bell curve, you probably have to risk being at the opposite end. I think for us, it would be worse to fall in the middle than would it be taking a chance to be great and maybe falling back. I'm going to send Patrick that sound again because we played it of Jerry Jones earlier. Man, maybe it was last week we played it of him saying, I like being in the middle. 
Do yeah. you remember this? I do remember that. You remember this? Yeah, it's, he literally it's sickening. Said, he said, I like I like the middle. We, we made fun of it. We, we were like, yeah. that's funny. He's I'm like, like, what is he, he talking about? I want to be about? in the middle. He said, I like the way the middle feels. It feels good. I want to be in the middle. I'm like, and pause. you literally have Howie Roseman, same division, a GM saying, no, no, I don't want to be in the middle. I'd rather be in a disastrous situation where we risked it all and lost than be just stuck in the middle class of the NFL. Yeah. I don't want to be there. Which is why it's a problem for the Dallas Cowboy fans because yeah. his way of thinking has had us crazy. going crazy for so many years. That's why. And the fact that E. Hogan has said on these airways that he would walk to Dallas and he has never felt threatened by it no. because of those thoughts that you just said, bro. Not at all. Like, and, it's like being in the middle is not where you want to be. And, and let's not pretend like the Eagles can completely leverage their future. They have their first and another and the Saints first in this draft right here and their own second. They have the Saints second <laughs> and their first and second in next year. They have picks. Yeah. Very, it's not like they yeah. don't have picks. They do have yeah. picks. Because yeah. they accumulated a bunch of picks getting rid of those contracts. So instead of, let's say, ditching Amari Cooper for a fifth, they would have traded Amari Cooper for a first and mm-hmm. then had more leverage to then, if they wanted to flip that first again, they still have theirs and they can flip somebody else and they can go get somebody else. That's the problem is you can't go, well, their future. And you go, their future is just fine because they still have all their picks plus another first and second. Yeah, no, no, it's I, it's it's they are not the same model as the Rams. That is a bit of a misnomer. That's a that, that's a that, you big know, misnomer. Yeah, that, yeah. that to, to me that that's a mischaracterization. Now they are going all in this year because in the off season they were just really aggressive. Remember, they won a free agency. They signed Hassan Reddick. Which yes. was yep. brilliant, by the way. Which who, <laughs> might, who might be the MVP of the yeah, Super Bowl. They signed him day one of free agency. Next wave of free agency, they signed oh, a guy that Rod B was saying the Cowboys should sign, but they didn't need him because uh, they're white who's a really good player, and Zach Pascal, because uh, White was a starter for him. Uh, draft day, they traded for A.J. Brown, as Harge mentioned earlier, and then they had the post-draft free agency period. They signed J- James Bradbury, starting cornerback, who's been phenomenal for them. Mm. Um, and then they traded for C.J. Gardner-Johnson in August, right uh, around the, the – um, Right around two a days, sorry, training camp. It's not like an old man, two a days. Training camp for them. I like that. Uh, yeah, two a days don't exist anymore, sorry. Uh, and then the midseason, mid, mid everybody talked about how atrocious their rush defense was. So they signed two D tackles, Nadama King Su and Lenu Joseph, and their run defense instantly improved. So they're just aggressive about solving problems right now. They're not going to wait. And a lot, of, a lot of teams like to wait around and see if the problems resolve themselves, mm-hmm. not the Eagles. They're going to be aggressive. No, let's go ahead and fix the problems figure, and deal with right everything now. later. Let's yeah. go win now and deal with everything else later because, as I've been saying the entire time, we do realize that every single year the salary cap goes up. You still have yeah. opportunity, man. What are you thinking about? Just go out there and be aggressive and make the adjustment later. Uh, all right, my man Patrick is always quick with it, so he already has the, the Jerry Jones sound. We're just going to play. It's long, so we're going to play it until he starts talking about the middle because I just want people to hear it, it and I, I want it to be in con- get the context of it too, so I don't want to you know, play it out of context. Here's Jerry Jones at the Senior Bowl, I believe, when he was being asked about teams going all in and his philosophy about teams being uh, so aggressive going all in. 
Everyone's got a different plan of how they want to get to the Super Bowl. You saw what the Eagles did. The Rams got rid of all their picks. What is what is the Cowboys' plan to kind of get you what you need, another championship? Uh, I'm reluctant, even though by nature I'm a wildcatter. <laughs> Anybody that thinks I won't take a chance has misread the tea leaves. Okay, But I do think longer term, and I'm real hesitant to bet it all for a year. And uh, there's a lot of things that can happen for that year. In essence, we're seeing a couple of teams that have had some real success putting it all out there and uh, paying it, paying for it later right. in Philadelphia and, San, and uh, really uh, Los Angeles. Uh, don't think that doesn't pop my head and get my eye as far as doing it, and I know how to do that. And uh, so uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, again, it's a part of... Uh, uh, what you uh, put in that computer and uh, what comes out, and we'll see, we'll see how uh, it comes. But uh, that's pretty impressive to have two teams in the last two years empty the bucket and get to the Super Bowl. But you're drafting development. But if you miss, you miss. It is a uh, long go. On the other hand, uh, uh, my general experience has been that if you will uh, uh, stay aggressive. I'm talking about whether it's on the field or off the field. If you'll stay aggressive, but then pick your shots with risk-taking. And I've spent a lot of time in my life doing that. When they cut me open, it will be all those scars, heart attacks, for all the risks I took <laughs> and the years I spent paying for. Mm -hmm. And so my point is that uh, I do know how to take risk. Uh, they're absolutely right. We have been uh, in the middle here for a few years. I like where we are right now, more in the middle. Uh, but uh, given an opportunity, if it makes some sense, uh, I've definitely got risk-taking in me. All you got to do is look around at everything else that we've got our fingers All right, that's so. enough. We heard him say it. He, he, they're in the middle. He admitted they're in the middle, and he likes where they are right now in the middle. And Howie Roseman in the same division saying, here, I'll read the quote. Make sure I don't misquote the man. He said, uh, the NFL, it's hard because the league is designed like a bell curve. They want most teams to be in the middle of the bell curve. So for you to take a chance and try to get to the top of the bell curve, you probably have to risk being at the opposite end. I think for us, it would be worse to fall in the middle than it would be taking a chance to be great and maybe falling back. It'd be worse. So it's just two totally different philosophies. For a Rose, one's and, a younger guy and one's yeah. an older guy. And I just, I just, yeah, exactly. One is a younger yeah. guy that's yeah. more progressive and more aggressive. Yeah, and one is older that is more conservative and trying to save. Right. So I'm sitting here listening to Jerry say this, and the, the funny thing about it is, he talked about if you could see around me, you could see all mm -hmm. the things that I risk. That has nothing to do with what's going on on the football field. So your business ventures are outstanding. There's no denying it. That's how you became Jerry Jones. Mm -hmm. But what are you doing now to get back to the mountaintop? You are falling in love with your players. You're not being aggressive and going out and try to get difference makers to get you back there. When Jerry jo when when Jimmy Johnson was in charge of bringing in players, he did some risky things. He brought in oh, a yeah. Charles Haley. He, he brought in a Deion Sanders yeah. because you know why? He wanted more rings. 
He could care less about all that other stuff that mm-hmm. you're talking about. Howie Roseman is saying, I need to get back to the Super Bowl, and I need to get there now, now. because everything else will take care of itself. That's the frustrating part as a Dallas Cowboy fan is listening mm-hmm. to him because he's thinking that we're going to be like, man, he's so smart. He's mm-hmm. No, we're not thinking that. Because we're still standing on the outside. And that's why people get upset about the Jer- uh, the Dak Prescott contract, even though the market said he was part of that group that was going to get that money. That's why people were upset with the Zeke contract, mm-hmm. because he loves Zeke so much that Zeke jumped the line in front of everybody Third when time. you did not have to pay him at that time. Shouldn't have paid him. He jumped out in front of you, mm-hmm. and you were like, oh, I just love this guy. Love All him. while he was under investigation for some stuff off the field. You invested in that. Mm-hmm. So now you're paying the price, mm-hmm. and you may have more guys walk where we watched during mm-hmm. the draft where Howie Roseman said, you know what, I like my quarterback. He's on a rookie deal. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go get him some help. I'm a trade mm. for AJ Brown. Yeah, and let's go get this thing. No, I just and then he it, signed in Dominican Sue halfway through the a, season. Yeah, no, he was very aggressive the entire year, and I just don't people. I don't think people have really talked about how you know he understands the true life cycle of the NFL. If you don't have a Hall of Fame coach or a Hall of Fame quarterback, then you are on the time. You are on the clock. Mm-hmm. All right. If you if you ain't got one of them two things, you're on the clock. And if you don't have, if you only got one of those two things, then you need you're on the clock to find the other one. Yep. Begging for it. Because here here's the stat. I've always thrown a stat out there. It's a great stat. It's the five year rule of the NFL. No team in NFL history has started the same quarterback under the same head coach for more than five seasons five years. and seen that duo win its first title. Five years. You if you ain't got a Hall of Fame coach or a Hall of Fame quarterback there. And in, in in there, you know, if you ain't got that, you basically got about three to five year window five to years. figure it out. And Harry Roseman knows this. He's like, when he, so it's why he had Andy Reid for for a few years, and they couldn't figure it out. Andy Reid leaves. He gets Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly starts out hot. They can't figure it out. Bring in Nick Foles. Has a oh, by the way, one of the greatest years in the history of the NFL for a quarterback. They think they got. It. He's like, I think I got it. I think I got it. Up oh, turns out didn't work out. Bring in Doug Peterson. They win the Super Bowl. Why do we bring in back Nick Foles? Um, and then Nick Sirianni comes in. Now they're going back to the Super Bowl. And do we all think Jalen Hurts is a Hall of Fame quarterback? We don't know. We have no idea. Right. Uh, Nick Sirianni, Hall of Fame coach. We don't know. I mean, maybe he, maybe they are. But right now, his philosophy is paying off. That I got to know when to hold them. I got to know when to fold them. And you got to know when to go all in. And Jerry, the last part, Jerry does not know. And again, emptying the bucket. They have more first and second day picks than you do in the next three years. Exactly. <laughs> they did not exactly. empty the bucket. Now you not. can say they are pot committed on salaries. But so are you because you have a quarterback everybody wants you to get rid of, and you can't. You have a running back that you're finally going to be able to get rid of, but you couldn't. So you're just as pot committed as they are, yeah. except you have not been aggressive enough in any of your other moves. I love point. being pot committed. Yeah. I truly <clears throat> do because yeah. that gives you that opportunity to make sure that you are giving yourself the most opportunity to make money. Yep. Because if you hit that, if you hit it, ding, 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 ding. We winning and we having a great party. Yeah. If you sitting over there on the sideline talking about, uh, I'm just going to take care of the guys that are with me. I like our guys. You're going to be mad because this is the same guy. I would do just about anything. And I mean anything 
to get back to the Super Bowl. But you know what I won't do? I won't spend the money to go get a closer. Isn't that a, isn't that a song? I'll do just about anything for love, but I won't do that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's Jerry Jones. Exactly. <laughs> I'll just about anything. Ding, love, ding, ding, but ding. I won't. But do I won't do that. that. <laughs> Patrick, you need to play that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what you got coming Anytime up? Anytime we talk about Jerry, you need to play that. Uh, who sings that song, by the way? It's Meatloaf. Meatloaf. Yeah, exactly. oh, Meatloaf that's song. Perfect. And that's the music video is really weird. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> All right, what you got coming up on Hard Stock Life? Baseball season is right around the corner, whether it's high school whether it's college or whether it's the MLB, but what better person to talk about make, uh, to talk about baseball than with Gene Watson of the Kansas City Royals? Gino, I've known him since I was 17 years old or 16 years old, and we've been friends ever since then. And we're gonna have him on to talk about baseball. Okay, wait for that. Coming up next, Hard Knock Life. You don't want to miss it. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, one Ladies and gentlemen. Mike, you have to be so combative. Yeah, I probably wouldn't say this in front of white folk, but in front of your own speak my mind. He has emotional anger issue problem. Hey, are you Dirty Mike and the boys? I'm Mike Lowry. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael! Welcome back to the new theme Thursday edition of Ball Don't Lie. It's your boy Harbaugh Harge. You can follow me on Twitter at Harbaugh Harge. You can follow my man Rob Babers at Rob Babers, and you can follow the man behind the glass at It's Patrick Davis. We also love it when you're a part of the show. You can hit us up on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. And joining us right now on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline is a man that is originally from the 817, but they changed it to the 254. I want to make sure that he represents as well. He's from Temple, Texas, and he's been a friend of mine for a long time. He's the vice president uh, and assistant GM for Major League Scouting. You've heard him on this show many a times. He is my man, Gino Gene Watson. How you doing, Gene? What's going on, Mike? How you doing, man? Baseball season is right here. I cannot wait. Couple um, Wait, next week or two weeks, uh, games will be starting. Team pitchers and catchers will be reporting next week. It is that time. I know you love the smell of baseball. I came home today, and my wife had my suitcases packed. I'm leaving Monday. She's got them packed <laughs> and ready for me to get out of town. She's had enough this winter. So, I was going to say, I think yeah, that's it's, what it's it really is. It's really exciting. It's an exciting time. And we'll be out there uh, starting Monday with all the WBC players reporting and it's going to be a fascinating spring with the WBC going on. It gives a, the, the, the league a little early interest from a fan standpoint and gets everything energized, so we're excited. I'm glad you brought that up, Gene, because the, the World Baseball Classic will be starting here pretty soon, and um, a lot of major league teams and a lot of major league players are going to be participating in that. What does that do for spring training with a lot of your key guys being gone? Does that give you a better look of some of your younger players that you can try to see how they adapt to the major league lifestyle and what's going on in spring training? Or does that kind of put you guys back in trying to figure out who's going to fit where? Well, the biggest thing is is monitoring your your players. I mean, we've got two of our best young players, Brady Singer and Bobby Witt Jr., playing in the event for Team USA. So you want to make sure that they are ready to go, prepared to play physically, but also don't amp it up too hard where they get themselves hurt because this is kind of a very tedious time. Uh, the players want to be a part of it. It's an unbelievable event. Uh, it'll be my fourth. And But you also, there's a, 
there's a level of anxiety and, and, uh, and fear because, you know, you've got to have these players for the full season. So you get them ready physically uh, and you just, you know, make sure that they, they go into it not exerting too much, uh, that they're not ready for opening day. And then it is for us especially. It's a, it's a chance for us to see uh, we're the second youngest club in baseball. It's a chance for us to see those younger players, non-roster invites. And then it also allows you to take some looks at guys as non-roster invites that – uh, you might not normally get a chance to take a look at because you have extra spots and depth on your roster to do so. So it's a, it's a really fun and exciting time. Yeah, I cannot wait to start watching all this because there are so many exciting players, whether it's on the USA team, uh, Australia. You also look at the Dominican, Venezuela, Puerto Rico. There's a lot of talent that will be participating in the World Baseball Classic. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is something that Rod and I and Patrick were talking about the other day. And I gave a, a, a Hard Knocks Life on Ricky Henderson and how great of a base stealer he was, an exciting uh, type of player. But I wanted to talk about the lost art of the stolen base. You, you, you scouted me. You scouted a lot of players that played this game. Speed was a major part of the game and where it was headed. But then all of a sudden, the, the stolen base was not part of it. Why do you think that happened, Gino? You know, Mike, it's funny you said this, and it's not just in base stealing. It's in innings pitched by starting pitchers. It's it's a lot of different things where uh, a lot of organizations don't value uh, the positive uh, of the result of a stolen base versus the negative of giving up outs. And I, I think when you look at our product today and you look at the three ultimate outcomes with the walk, the strikeout, and the home run, you know, that, that's really what the game has become. And, and when you look at what we did in 2014 and 15 with back-to-back World Series appearances, that was a big part of our identity was stealing bases, getting on base, and stealing bases. But the other thing is, is there's so much information now on base runners, base stealers. Uh, these coaches are so very good at picking up keys from pitchers that – that the percentages have lowered because a lot of guys just they're going to be out because the 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 defensive uh, position that catchers uh, what they have today and the what the way the Yadier Molinas and the Salvador Perez's the JT Romutos that are so good with the catch throw tool that that a lot of teams aren't willing to take the chances on the out and giving up extra outs in a given game. Yeah, that's crazy to me because I, I like I told. Rod, I remember when the Expos, we were rolling um, with a bunch of speed and everybody was ready to steal a base. Uh, the, the Royals, even back then, back in the day, that was a huge part of their game. And even the Cardinals, um, I, just, I just thought that was one of the lost arts of the game. Between that and the triple are the two most exciting plays in baseball that we very rarely see anymore. Right. And Vince Coleman, I mean – what he was able to do, Ricky, I, I remember the day Ricky broke Lou Brock's record, May 1st in 1991, because Nolan threw his seventh no-hitter that night for us in Arlington. And I remember us all sitting around the clubhouse watching him steal that bag, stealing third in Oakland, raising the base up, proclaiming to be the greatest of all time. And then that night, Nolan goes out and throws no-hitter number seven. So it was a, a very special day. I remember like it was yesterday. But it's just it's it's one of the many areas of the game and the product where – Things have gotten away, but when you look at the teams 
that are there in October, it's a big part of what they do. Yeah, that's amazing to me. We're talking to Gene Watson. He's the vice president and assistant GM for Major League Scouting for the Kansas City Royals. And, Gino, now that Major League Baseball is upon us, there are so many different things that everybody's looking for. Everybody believes that they got a chance to win the World Series. They constructed their teams to be a certain way just so they can be there. If you had to – I know that you can't really say who's the better team because there's still things that are out there. But going into this season, there's a lot to be desired in Major League Baseball as of today. There's a lot of good teams. We're talking about the Astros. We're talking about the Padres. They just gave you Darvish an extension. The Rangers did an amazing job this offseason of bringing in a bunch of big arms. Is this probably going to be one of the better seasons that you've seen in a long time? Oh, Mike, it's going to be a fantastic year. And first and foremost, it's going to begin with the balanced schedule where teams are typically playing teams within their division 18 times a year. Now every team is going to play every team in baseball. Uh, Cities across the country are going to be able to see players that they typically would never get a chance to see. And I think that that's going to create a, a little more parody than what we're used to seeing. The, Uh, There's going to be some great stories in the American League. The Toronto Blue Jays have a very, very fun uh, team offensively that can put up runs like nobody's business. Baltimore is a team that's trending upward. Uh, You look at Cleveland and what they did last year winning the division Mm -hmm. with the youngest team in baseball. And the White Sox hiring Pedro Grafal from us as the manager and and him being able to identify with those players and that culture. Uh, Obviously, the Astros in Seattle – The Rangers are going to be a tremendous story in the American League West. Uh, It's going to be a really, really amazing season. And when you take away the shifts and and now those left-handed hitters getting a little more, uh, you know, fortuitous situations offensively, uh, you've got a pitch clock coming in this year. You've got a uh, three-time throw over, so you may see a little more stolen bases this season. I think we have a chance to really see a much improved product by June 1st than what we've seen in years past. Yeah, and I can't wait for it. And like I said, spring training is right around the corner. Pitchers and catchers report, I believe, next week. As always, it's going to be a lot of fun. But let's talk about your Kansas City Royals, Gino. I mean, one of my favorite players has always been Bobby Witt Jr. Since he was playing in high school, I followed his career when you guys drafted him. I thought that was a smart move, and then he came up to the big leagues last year. I thought he was going to be my rookie of the year. I really wanted him to be that. But uh, talk about your squad and and where you are as of today. Well, we're excited to have Zach Grinke back, of course. He's a Hall of Fame pitcher, and he brings so much to our clubhouse in dealing what really is the strength of our organization, and that's our young pitching. Brady Singer and Daniel Lynch have a chance to be real top-of-the-rotation uh, type starters. And when you look at Bobby Witt Jr., uh, Michael Massey, uh, we've got some really, really good, young, talented players. Vinny Pasquatino at first base. Uh, it's going to be a fun year. It's going to be a year of improvement. Uh, but we don't really talk about rebuild. We don't talk about lowered expectations. We talk about being prepared to win every day when you show up at the ballpark. And that's going to be the message this year. So we're really excited about uh, the steps that could be made forward this season. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Before I let you go, Gino, I have to ask you, you're a huge Longhorn fan. Texas football is one of your favorites. I know that you had an opportunity to uh, talk to a lot of the players and hang out with Sark and talk to him. What are your expectations this year with the Texas football team? Oh, man, I'm really excited. I actually spent 
last Monday down there uh, with the coaching staff and toured the facilities. It's amazing to me, you know, because I've basically been down there my whole life. It's amazing to me how fast things change around there from a facility standpoint and the upgrades and the alterations of the facility and, and how every coaching staff tries to capture what their message to the players is. And uh, I, I couldn't be more excited about this football program and where it's moving and, and just the, you know, talking about, you know, the culture of the program versus the culture of, say, our Latin American program in the Dominican, because it's very similar age group of players. So we're always trying to learn from different industries, different coaching staffs. And we picked up a lot of information last week when we spent the day with Texas football. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see where it moves forward. Last thing, who's your Super Bowl pick, Kansas City or Philadelphia? Oh, man, I just think the Chiefs are just so battle-tested. I think they've been through so much. Tougher schedule. Uh, of course, Patrick Mahomes, uh, just an incredible leader on the field. I just think that they um, they just have too much experience. I know both teams have nine players that have been in the Super Bowls, but, but the Chiefs have all done it together, and I think that they're probably going to – uh, cover the spread and win the game at the same time. That's because you want to make sure you can be seen in Kansas City. I know how that works, you know. I've been around you a while. I've been around you a while. Hey, I want you to tell the story because my man Rod has never heard this story. I want you to tell the story about you and I when we faced each other in high school. Oh, and you, were a, you, you were a college you were a college pitcher. You were back coaching and you came in. Rod, and, go ahead. Let Rod, the story be let, told. Rod, let me just say this first of all. <laughs> I, I have been in this area my entire life, and, and good players come and go. And I'm not just saying this because he's on the air, but Michael Harge was truly one of the most unbelievable athletes to come out of this area in forever. And I saw Johnny mm. Manziel, I saw Drew Brees, I wow. saw Robert Griffin, seen them all. And Michael on the basketball court, on the baseball field, on the football field, yeah. incredible. Mm. So – so I, I'm coaching Temple High's summer league program. I'm 19 years old. I'm coaching the 16 to 18 year olds, and my card is this big up and coming prospect. And <laughs> and he to say he played with an edge would be a little bit of an understatement. So he was one of those guys that if he's on your team, you love him. If he's not on your team, you can't stand him. Uh, I mean, I know and those so guys. He, yeah. Oh yeah. So he comes rolling into Temple one night. And he's he's giving my my kids the business and. And so I, I went out to the mound. I told one of our pitchers, I said, hey, I want you to come high and tight on Mike right here. And he wouldn't do it. So the next at bat, I bring in a new pitcher. Hey, come in high and tight on Harsh. Wouldn't do it. So the third at bat, I enter myself in the game as the pitcher. And the first pitch, I put one up and in on him. And, and all bedlam breaks loose. <laughs> and what I was trying to do was just make him understand that when you get into pro ball, because everybody knew he was signing, that that some of the antics on the field aren't necessarily going to be condoned. But uh, we've been great friends ever since, and he's uh, I, I talk about my cards all the time as like truly one of the great athletes. We didn't get to see what he could have done on a football field or a basketball court because he chose baseball, which was the right thing for him to do, and 
And uh, but truly, in in all my time in this area, one of the best athletes to come out of this area. Wow, that's a great story. And I'm tired to love tell it. that story too. Yeah, yeah I love it. I yeah. love it. We he came. He came up and in on your boy. Dog. He came up. He was delivering that heat. Trying to teach you a lesson. Trying to teach me a lesson. <laughs> hey, as we always talk about teachable moments, right? You got no teachable doubt. moments. I love that. And I've never forgot that. And I always appreciate Gino and what he does and what he gives back to the communities. He's big with RBI baseball. RBI Austin. And he's done a great job with that, and he's always giving back to the community. Gino, thank you, man, and we'll be talking a lot during the baseball season. And of course, I want to get I want to get you back on as the season goes on, so we can talk a little bit more, man. As always, man, thank you. Always here for you guys. Love y'all. Be careful. Take care. Thank Appreciate you, Gino. it, Gino Watson, right there, man. Yes, We've man. known each other for a long time, and he's done a great job. He's worked his way, and and being able to work his way up in the organizations. He's got World Series rings. He's done it all. And he and he goes and finds a lot of talent, man. He's been a great dude. Uh, yeah, no, he's uh, – I think I first met him, Craig Way, through yep, Craig yep, Way. Because yep. him and Craig Way are really close. But uh, after that, it seems like, much like you, everybody knows Gino. Yep. Or everybody yeah, <laughs> everybody Gino knows, knows and, everybody. And Gino knows everybody. <laughs> exactly. Goes both ways there. But, no uh, yeah, he's a good guy. And we appreciate him giving us some time, too, because, you know, he ain't got a lot of time. He's a busy man. He's a busy man. And, all right. Uh, good harsh his wife life. already got his bags packed. Uh, hey. <laughs> you know, hey, she's like, uh, you know what? It's been fine. This, exactly. It's been good having you for the off season, But – it might be time for you to go to That's work. Right. You know, the, the checks, just send the checks home. That's Make right. sure the checks come home. Right. Uh, all right, we come back. We got off the record on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104 on the Horn. DD Mega Doodoo. I'm sorry, Mangoodoo. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well I don't get a break the head comb. Congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, we don't have a ton of time here for Off the Record, so we'll be quick. A lot of trades made in the NBA uh, right before the NBA trade deadline. One of them was with the, uh, the, the Lakers. Uh, so Lakers made a big-time trade that, I mean, it's a lot of teams involved, but it ended up sending D'Angelo Russell to the Lakers and Malik Beasley and forward Jared Vanderbilt. And it was a three-team trade with Minnesota and Utah. And they ended up sending Russell Westbrook, along with some other players, to the Utah Jazz. But that's not what we're getting, getting into here. Apparently, one of the, one of the women, uh, sorry, one of the men, women, one of the men, maybe women, uh, one of the men that... Uh, <laughs> Larsa Pippen has dated is Malik Beasley. Yep. And he is on the Lakers team. Just now got traded there. With Scottie Pippen Jr. I want to trade. Ooh, that's yeah. awkward. That's and, gonna be awkward. And it's gonna be Malik Beasley. That's strange. It's awkward. Lars Pippen, Scottie Pippen Jr., and Michael Jordan Jr. <laughs> He's right because she's dating. She's dating, she's dating yeah. Michael Jordan Jr. Right? It's a great point. Yeah, yeah I had to think about that. You're right. She's dating Michael Jordan Jr. Right now. Yeah. Um, you think she wears Jordans? Oh. Yeah. I'm just telling you, it was awkward way before now. <laughs> made, Malik Beasley's four years older than Scottie Pippen Jr. Yeah. It's ne- it was never not awkward. 
That's yeah. true, but now you got to see him. No, I know you got to see him, but it was never not awkward. That's true. It's always been I awkward. feel like he's probably made a little bit of peace with the fact of who his mom is. Yeah, you have to. Otherwise because, you go crazy. Yeah, yeah, but that's the thing. Is, it's not like, oh, man, I got to play with that 35-year-old veteran who used to be my mom. The dude's four years older than <laughs> This is a problem from day one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's His mom's is the issue. It ain't. The, the, yeah. the, he's doing his thing. Mom's is the problem, and she's she's wilding. She's enjoying herself. And she yeah. is definitely enjoying herself. And now she's, do- she's dating Michael Jordan's son, yeah. uh, Marcus Jordan. Yeah. So, and she used to date Malik Beasley, who is now a member of the Lakers. And, and he lost his family because of her. Did he? Yeah, that kind of fallout from it? Yes. Man, yes. man, it is undefeated. She's got that. Never lost. She's got that ooh-wee, huh? Boy, let me tell she you. She must have some of that good good because that is really. She got a he grip risked on, it all? She got a grip on life. He risked it all and lost it and, all? And lost. Maybe you know wa- why? It's undefeated. It is undefeated. Maybe he, maybe he wanted to lose it all. Maybe he was trying to sabotage it. And it never he takes a day too? off. It kids? never takes a day Oh, I mean, I'm he's sure he's, a, he's an NBA player. But, <laughs> all right, that's fair. <laughs> he's an NBA player. That's true. Uh, all right, speaking of NBA, let's get back to the NBA drama uh, right before the trade deadline. Tons of moves made, blockbuster moves, KD going to the Suns. Mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving made his debut with the Mavs. We'll discuss that. Uh, the Lakers trading Russell Westbrook. Spurs even making a trade. We'll talk about all that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 the Horn.